Hi, this is John Waters, and you're listening to Two True Freaks. Keep on listening, or I'll have you killed. Come in. Well, 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 look who's here. I haven't seen you in many a year. If I, I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Baked a cake, baked a cake. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hot you do, hot you do, hot you do. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band. Grand band in the land. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band. And spread the welcome mat for you. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. Well, we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our ham hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly, just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling, you don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the soft grain out, and then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. Welcome to Eat It, a podcast about food. Well, half a podcast. The first half of a podcast being a podcast about food and something else. My name is Daryl Doublewide, and I am here with Cass Errol. Cass Errol, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deep dish. <laughs> and we are here to talk about trailer park food. Yep. Trailer park food must, uh, it's a topic we need to talk about. I, I think that you can divide it into trailer park slash 
white trash is that acceptable to use is that is that like a, a bad term or 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 a stigma to it i i, I guess I, it's a bad yeah I, I i don't think people like being called that yeah oh well you know i mean we could get into a anthropological sociological dissection of the word <laughs> but, but yeah but it, it pretty much tells you what yeah <laughs> It, it is what it is. I mean, there is a whole, and and I'm not saying that everyone that lives in a trailer or a trailer park is white trash. Let's get that out there right now. My uncle Al, who was a great guy, lived in a trailer park called the Hudson. I believe it was called the Hudson Bay Trailer Park, which is in California, which was odd in itself. But this today's trailers are not your grandmother's trailers. I mean, this trailer was nice it was it was like a little house but i also had a trailer park in my hometown that had some trailers and i bet i'm sure you've probably seen some trailers too yeah. as well there were i mean that's that's the thing about trailer parks and and even to this day there's quite a few there's quite a few trailer parks around each suburb has their trailer parker or more sometimes they have more than one and you know, there, there, there's some that are really bad, you know, that like when you say, oh, I'm from, you know, the parks or whatever it's, you know, it's called. People will just go, oh, sorry, man. <laughs> and, you know, they're hauling another overdose away from the parks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were they were set up at, you know, at when a, a lot of them came back when, uh, you know, not only after the war did we have uh, an increase in track homes, but there was also uh, trailer parks, and some of the earliest trailer parks were actually trailer parks where you park, where you could up and leave if you right. wanted to, and and then they evolved into, and there are still some of those around, but they evolved into stationary homes, prefab homes, and they they are an important uh, existence for people that can't afford. You know, to have a regular a regular home. Now, my uncle Al, he was he had money to buy a house, but he just liked the convenience of the trailer park. Yeah, and and if you're not, you know, if you're if if you're not into living large or you feel no need to live large, why not? It you know you it's it's like camp. It's like um going to being at like a summer camp, you know, camp house or something all year round. Yeah, that could blow away in a very strong way. <laughs> right. But other right. than other than that, now the, the next line that we have to take is trailer park food. I think we'll call it trailer park food instead of white trash food. But it's one and the same, you know. If it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, walks like a duck, it's a duck. So uh, uh, talk to me about uh, your neck of the woods and 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 some uh, and some of the gastronomical delights that that can be considered uh, trailer park food. Well, um, needless to say, like you, like usually, if if I'm gonna, if I was, I I didn't live in a trailer, but like a lot of my friends did, and a lot of their or you know friends of friends, or we'd end up at somebody's house, and uh, well, one of the things that usually was common between the the trailers that we would end up at or the trailer parks, you know, the homes that we would end up at was there'd usually be a lot of kids around, you know. So that's why we were there. We were there because they had kids and that were our friends or, you know, in, in school with us. So you would end up at this house and maybe, you know, so there was there was one family that had like five kids, you know, 
and um, in a double wide and uh, bunk beds and stuff. And uh, so, you know, all the food I'm going to mention is all stuff that I've eaten was all, you know, just I, I associate it with summertime because that's when we were out and about playing with each other in the wintertime. I was I was not in the town as much. So I was out in the in the country living in our house in the summer. My mother would work and we would stay at um, a family's place with her kids but we ran we ran through the town all day you know we just ran, roamed free so basically you were talking like a, a lot of you know so we I wasn't hanging out with retirees at the trailer park it was usually people who were you know poor or you know or not not wealthy so, and with a lot of kids around, you know, you're talking the the economy of scale, you know. Yeah. So yeah. there were there there was a lot of like mass feeding of of kids, you know. It was basically like when it was lunchtime, it was like pu- pull out the trough, you know. Mom would come out with what you know a whole loaf of Wonder Bread, basically shuffled with bologna and and mustard. I'm gonna say you had your fair share of hot dogs folded in Wonder Bread instead of a bun. Yes, and uh, um, for the most part, when we were, when you would when you would be eating hot dogs there, they would be boiled. It would be boiled hot dogs because you could just cut three or four packages open and dump them in the boiling water. You know. Yeah. A couple minutes later. Boom! Throw them in some Wonder Bread, and they're even they're damp even from the water, so the Wonder Bread gets turns oh, to that oh, it like turns eighth, back into dough. It yes. turns into that eighth inch look, which also sometimes you know if you're staying overnight or hanging around for dinner, you get pigs in a blanket too. We're often pigs in a blanket. They that was a shit, man. I mean, I I remember that, that one of my favorite things to eat was uh, a wop biscuit, which is you know the biscuit in the tube that you would hit it on the table and it would go wop and it would yeah. pop. You I roll still it like out. those. You roll it out, put a hot dog in it and a mm-hmm. piece of cheese, and then roll it back up in the biscuit and bake it in the oven. I think that might have been what I lived on for about five years because I remember yep. having so much of that. And and I think that, at least in my neighborhood, the trailer park, we were talking people that didn't have cars. Uh, a lot of them you know, had the, the nearest place for them to actually get food was the 7-Eleven. It was right next to the trailer park. So I would imagine that a lot of these people, they would eat, you know, what you had to be ingenuic to to, well, to be able to turn, uh, you know, you, the basic ingredients from the 7-Eleven into, into something that, that wasn't bad eating. I mean, hot dogs on Wonder Bread, all right, there's stigma to it, but they're, they're you know, like, like my dad said, it's bread. Bread is bread. Just eat it. You know, nothing wrong with it. But yeah, we didn't. We didn't have Seven Elevens. Isn't that weird? We, I mean, everybody had to go to the grocery store. You, you didn't have Seven Elevens in the neighborhood. What did you do? No, for... nothing. There were a couple little mom and pop stores that sometimes were would have a butcher shop or a or a deli or something like that. But for the most part, yeah, you were shopping at the at the PNC or the Super Duper. 
and that and was it in Carthage. That was that was your food choices. Those those two two grocery stores. The super duper. The PNC was more expensive slightly than the super duper. Yeah, I mean, you you, you had to you had to to do what what you had to do. Well, there was a lot of like there was a lot of um, um, welfare money. So like at, at one friend's house at the beginning of the month, first day of the month when the check came in, the food stamp, it, I don't know if it was food stamps or a check or whatever, but you know, mom, that would be the, mom would have her sister come and load everybody up into the station wagon, take them over to the super duper and just buy the whole month's worth of food. And for the first week or two, it was feast. And then for the last two weeks, it was famine. It was it was the cereal that was kind of like Lucky Charms, but not really Lucky Charms. And it was just in a bag. Yeah, it didn't have a leprechaun on it. It had like an elf, you know? Lucky Arms. Yeah, Lucky Arms. Uh and and Lepra Charms. <laughs> Lepra Charms. But yeah, it 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 was Sanka and uh and you know, coming from from uh, my dad's side of the family was was huge. There were seven brothers, and you had to you, you had to make what you had stretch out. It was a lot of beans. It was a lot of 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 you know. You didn't buy bread. Being Hispanic, you made tortillas, and my grandmother would make them every single day because it was a. You couldn't go out and and spend money on on a loaf of bread when you can get a big huge bag of flour and every day you could make your own bread or you could make tortillas or you could or you could it it, it goes back a long way and that like my the Portuguese side of my family nothing was wasted now you would you would come in some days and and there would be soup made from bread garlic olive oil and it was delicious it was. People might call it, you know, white trash food, but it was food out of necessity, food that that you you don't let see, any go to waste. See that that's that that's not how it was in Carthage. I I it's it's I'm I'm trying to think of how I'm gonna say it, but the the people I knew that lived in in in, in I don't want to say poverty or poor who were like getting government assistance and like had to really stretch their food dollar were not were not were like wasteful hmm. would, would throw stuff away or you know like at the begin like like everybody would just like eat 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 and like leave half a plate of food and stuff like that it was it was really straight and like at, at my house it was like you didn't leave the table till you finished your yeah. plate full of food so to me, when I would like first start going over to people's houses like that, I'd be like, "Whoa, this is you know, this is crazy, you know." It's, it's not the, acceptable. The place with the the uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was a weird thing, like like and like they just like yeah, the the food was more prepackaged and stuff, so it'd be like bust open a bag of um of um frozen french fries throw them in the oven and then if they were if you know they got cold they were garbage no you know what my wife's people were my wife was like that they, i would go over to their you know to their house and and we'd have like steaks beautiful steaks but you know whatever 
you eat half a steak, they would slide it into the garbage, and I and I couldn't bear it. So when I got married, um, I broke her of that. I tamed that pony because you know now if there's any meat left over, I'll take it. The next day, I will chop it up and I'll make tostadas out of it, or I'll chop it up and I'll make uh, I'll get some some ramen and I'll I'll yep. doctor up a soup that would that has some uh, poor man's foe in it you know i i just i don't let the bread that i have left over i it becomes breadcrumbs for for cutlets i i i just can't see myself wasting food you know and and that's it's not really what i would call white trash food uh but it's it's something that we did we didn't waste food and now when we talk about white trash foods um or or uh, trailer park foods. I have a list here, and of some of some things I would like to shoot out at you. Okay. And uh, and and let me know what what you think, yay or nay. Okay. Now. Uh, y- yay yay or nay. I like it. Or yay or nay. I've eaten it before. Or... Yay or nay. If 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 you like it and and and. I've run across it. Yeah. Run, okay. Run. I said your thoughts on this because you okay. know, as, as you know, you are you are a Svengali. You are. I, I got a list okay. here of some of my favorites, so I'm wondering if it's going to hit any okay. of them. I'll tell you if it hits any on my list too. Okay. Number one, Funyuns. Oh yeah, love Funyuns. Who doesn't love Funyuns? And but they've got the stigma of of uh, being, uh, you know, yeah. When is the last time you saw somebody? You know, go to their house and here's a bag of funyuns. Well, funyuns are cheap because they're just they're just corn powder and onion powder and salt. <laughs> and they're fun. Funyuns. They are. That's the name. It's it 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 really is a beautiful marketing name. I mean, it's an onion sort of shaped like an onion ring, but it's fun. Funyuns, terrific name. Okay, so yeah, everyone loves funyuns. All right, now we would as kids we would put the funyuns on our fingers like rings. We would pile up funyuns on our when fingers was the and last eat them time, off. When was the last time you had a funyun? I don't know. It's been a while. I, me too. Me too. Okay, here comes another one. One of my personal favorites that that is considered trailer park or white trash spam. I've had I I I don't not like spam but I don't eat it very often but when I was a kid that the um my dad would make spam and eggs fairly re- regularly and yes. I really liked spam and eggs now spam is per capita uh do you know who uh what state consumes the most spam somewhere in the midwest isn't it is no right hawaii hawaii Oh, yes. okay, okay. World War II, the GIs would would uh, trade their their rations that always included spam for sex or whatever, you know. And and the Hawaiians are crazy about it. They sell and they eat more spam in Hawaii than any other state in the Union. Now, I, I love spam. Now, there is a recipe for something called glam spam, all right? Uh, run through it real quick. You put your spam in a food processor. You add a little cheese. You add whatever spices you like, maybe a little onion, and you blend it up. And 
you spread it on a cracker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's yeah. it's yeah. It's sort of like um the the meat spread you would get in a can a little bit. Yeah. Deviled. Uh, what was that? The devil. The uh the the the, the, the deviled ham. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so oh, our listeners that go out there and and, and Google uh, spam, uh, glam spam, yeah, it, it's 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 something that's good. Okay, now here's a, here's a favorite. It's considered you know trashy, but everyone loves it. Velveeta. Oh, I love Velveeta. What can you not do with Velveeta? You throw a jar of salsa. You 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 mix it together. You got queso. Anyone that makes a macaroni and cheese, a, a, a macaroni, a baked mac and cheese, mm-hmm. and doesn't put Velveeta in it, I don't care. You, you can't glamorize mac and cheese. You can put all your fancy cheeses in, but if you don't add a few cubes of Velveeta, it's it's not. It, it doesn't do it. I, I mean, I'm not even sure what the fuck it is. Uh, it, there are even texture. recipes out it's there. It's the texture. It's got. It's got that texture and it's got a little funkiness to it. It's got yes. a little now one little of the Swiss to it. I've always wanted to try. There is a recipe out there for chocolate fudge made with Velveeta. Okay, it, yeah, it, sure. It's it's out there. It's it's it falls right along the lines of my wife's people's recipe for um, a meatball sauce that has grape jelly in it. Okay. I could see that too. Well, I mean, come on, you would put you put wine in sauces. Yeah, I mean, prunes is have, and I'm not the biggest sure. fruit and meat person, but from her part of the country, which is Michigan, they will not they'll, they'll think nothing of having a big pork chop and a side of applesauce. To me, it, it's like that's what that's how we used to do it. I've not every I, time we had pork chops, we would have applesauce and or and or cottage cheese as a side. Okay. Are you ready for the next one? Because yes. this one is something that I had for the first time in St. Louis when I think it was about 1996, and it comes in a box. Steakum. Oh, steakums are are steaks. You know, really thin sliced. You can yep. make your sandwiches out of it. I believe it's probably it's probably uh like compressed meat. You know, uh, but very very popular it's it's i think it's basically they do it like arby's and then they slice it thin but um you know what though in all the in all the travels of carthage and and my childhood the the two places that you would eat steakum would be either out of my freezer or scott gardner scott gardner's mom made banging steakum on a bun sandwiches that was when when like his mom would break out the steakums. We were just like, boom, at the table, just like, yes. I, I we, had it. We did. We could make them okay at home. I made them with steak sauce at home, and that's how I, I would do them. But his mom was, oh, she made good steak. Took it to, an, she took it to another level. Here, now, now here's something along the uh, trailer park food that I have never had, but I would try it in a heartbeat: the peanut butter and jelly with potato chip sandwich. I've that wasn't a big deal. I've had that before, but that's just because there was a time when I would put potato chips in almost any kind of sandwich Tuna that fish? you could think of. I still put potato chips in sandwiches. I did it like last week with a bologna sandwich. Now they say that you have to work yourself up to be hardcore to get to the salt and vinegar. 
peanut butter and jelly. No, that seems like they would go together like really well. That's that, that sweet and sour. Hard-hitting research says that, okay? okay? Okay, now here's one uh, that that I, I've never had, but I know I would like it. It's considered a trailer park. The pancake and sausage on a stick. This is a corn dog, basically, but it is a pancake. Yeah, and in the middle, it's a sausage. It was a frozen. It was a frozen yes. item from the frozen food section. Dean makes this. I've had those, but I don't remember having them very often. It's the creme, uh, creme de la creme of breakfast, as they, as from what I say. Yeah, it's like a breakfast corn dog. And you could eat it. You could eat it on a treadmill. <laughs> or you could eat it driving. You could, but nobody... Well, people did eat them <laughs> driving. I'm doubting many dr- did on the treadmill, but you could. <laughs> it could be done. <laughs> hey, now, the next one is one that I have had, and I have to say that I love it. I've had it in uh, McAllen, Texas. I've had it in San Antonio, Texas. I've had it in Plano, Texas. Every time I can go and manage to get it, I will get it. And it is Frito Pie. Now, oh, Frito Pie is delicious. It's the Frito deep. Pie was at every single party that somebody had to bring something to. Somebody would bring Frito Pie. Yes, but the hardcore, if you were to go to a baseball game or uh, any type of little sporting event, the, you would somebody brings chili, gets a bag of Fritos, simply cuts a slit in the bag and just pours just the chili, dumps it and, in. Yeah. and there you go. You're eating it out of the bag. You're eating it with you know just right there. It's all there. And I don't give a shit what anyone says. You can call it trashy, but it is delicious. Delicious. I've never, I never had that as a kid. But I, that was that was something they served. It seemed at Kmart all the time. You'd see it at the Kmart restaurant. The Kmart. Would, I not thought about the Kmart restaurant. Yeah, they would. You could sure. get. You could get. They would just. They would just take the bag of Fritos and open it up and dump chili on top of it, like Seven Eleven style chili. You know. Kmart had the icy right, which was the little bear with the hat, right? I well, I yeah, icy is. Is like basically that shows up at anywhere that's not Seven <laughs> Eleven, mm-hmm. anywhere that's not Slurpee. Yes. Now, our next our next example is I had never heard of it until I heard it in a country western song oh. by uh, Barbara Mandrell, and uh, she uh, has a little cameo in this song uh, with George Jones, and it is Peanuts in Coca Cola. Have you ever heard of the act of dropping peanuts in Coca-Cola? I remember when no one was looking, I was putting peanuts in my coat. No. Now, due to its salty, uh, due to its sweet and salty flavor profile, Coke and peanuts have stood the test of time. Now, this is south of the Mason-Dixon line. Our friends south of the Mason-Dixon line have been pouring peanuts into ice cold coca-cola since the 20s it not only tastes great especially when whiskey is introduced but it also frees up your hands so you can do things like uh drive a stick shift 
or give a passerby the finger. Play a banjo. Yeah. You can you can look up the song. I was country when country was uncool. And there is a, a line that says, "I was putting peanuts in my coke." And I've never never that, heard of that. That yeah, I've never had it, but I'm sure that that someone out there probably is smacking the table and going, "Yeehaw!" That is delicious. <laughs> okay. Now, the manwich. Manwich was manwich was big everywhere at every household. Now, it's a sloppy joe, right? Yeah, it was just it was just a brand of sloppy joe, but it was like so. I think before Manwich, like if you made sloppy joes, you either made them from a recipe where you got some, got yourself some all the the you know tomato paste and stuff, or you made it from you got the you had to get the tomato paste and then you would get a packet with everything. Whereas Manwich was a can with you just dumped it on the beef. Correct. And that Correct. was, and there, and you, you were sloppy Joe ready. You didn't have to diddle around with nothing. It had onions in it and everything. Well, in some parts of the country, you can find on the, the same aisle as the ketchup in a jar something called chili sauce, and yeah, and it's it's like a tomato ketchupy type thing that I guess if you're gonna make sloppy joes, this is one of the ingredients that it always calls for. Is is is. Uh, is chili sauce. Now, you, you have a hard time finding it out here in New York, just like you do Rotel or any of that other stuff, but it's out there. And, and yeah, I do love, I do love Sloppy Joe's. Uh, I haven't, I probably haven't had one in 20 years, but. Oh, uh, really? I, I, I have them fairly, like, every few months, I'll, I'll get some ground beef and have some Sloppy Joe's. I love, love them. What's your take on the potato on potato rolls? Like, uh, you know, hot dog, uh, potato, hot dog buns, and potato uh, hamburger buns. You know, uh, made with. I like uh, potato. I like potato buns, but they don't toast. I like them when I'm not toasting. I don't like the toast. Like, I'll toast a potato bun, but it never is a, does a satisfactory crispness like a regular bun will so if i use potato buns i use them raw i have raw dog them i have a convert it's an east coast thing they're not as popular where i was growing up on the west coast but here in new york man if i can get my hands on a hot dog on a potato bun that to me is a perfect well it's got the spun that it's you know it's getting a little closer to white bread but it's got some more heft than white than regular like wonder bread you know what i mean but it still has that same sort of gumminess when you start putting something warm and damp in it you know especially when you get one when they're fresh like we just i just made sliders today because today is uh my kid has his friends over to play video games on fridays so i made i made sliders which is basically with my recipe is just get hamburger little seasoning spread it on the bottom of a pyrex so there's a very very thin layer of hamburger meat all the way on the bottom of the pyrex you know Mm -hmm. you bake it and then you drain off the grease and you pick up the whole slab put it on a little on a little uh on some potato rolls that haven't been cut yet put the put a little cheese put the top on and you just cut them so they so they're they're shaped just like a potato roll you know and and terrific stuff man the, the, the kids they, they love the sliders now the uh the next thing and the last thing on our list is something that i would definitely try it i'm embarrassed to say it but 
strawberry Pop-Tarts with Nesquik strawberry milk. Can you imagine? That's great. Well, Nesquik was a big deal. Everybody had Nesquik, and they had um, the, the, the creme de la creme of Nesquik was vanilla Nesquik. Oh, you could I never could find, find it. it. And yeah. <laughs> I've had banana. I've had strawberry. Banana was good too. Chocolate, but I've never had vanilla. Stra- the Nesquik was a big Nesquik. Here was here was our white trash variation of Nesquik. Put it on your cereal, especially like Rice Krispies. Uh, you know what? Chocolate or strawberry Nesquik just caked over it. Oh, it's strong line, man. That's that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that'd get you ripping. Ugh. All right. Well, that is that. That's your. I'll, let me run through my. Basically, they sort of missed a lot of stuff. This is like a list of things. I'll I'll just round off my list of things that, either I either was something that was really good that a mom used to make or that I just used to see a lot of. Okay. That didn't make that list, and I think they should have made that list. This was just a good meal that that this one mom made that was her specialty, and it was. Uh, just beans and hot dogs, and she would serve them in a Dixie, in Dixie cups. Absolutely, and it was delicious. And uh, one thing you would oh, see: you talking pork and beans and hot dogs? So they were kind of sweet. They were just hot dogs chopped up, and her she used this brand of beans that are East Coast called Grandma Browns, and she used Grandma Browns with lots of uh, the you know when you had Grandma Browns, you'd either add molasses. Some people added molasses, but usually most people just added um, ketchup and brown sugar to them. And she, her her mixture, and she added a few extra little things. Whatever her beans were banging. I could and go for that. She also and and uh, what the, this didn't make the list. Kraft macaroni and cheese. Oh yeah, in the box. Come on, especially when you bought- have to mass produce for kids. And this same woman made this insanely. It was a mac, craft macaroni and cheese with tuna casserole, with peas inside of it, and then like breadcrumbs on top. And some, and there were also a lot of people made mac and cheese with hot dogs. Oh well, yeah. Um, government cheese. Government cheese, yes. Lots and lots of yellow, yellow government cheese. I never saw any white government cheese. Uh, fluffernutter. Oh, Fluffernutter. Oh, God. Gigundus, like with the big families, they would get that gigundus, almost like gallon jar of Fluffernutter. When I worked at the grocery store as a kid, if you drop a jar of Fluffernutter on the floor, you could not pick that shit up. It was everywhere. It was sticky. It was. And I've never had it. You've never had Fluffernutter? No, I never. Oh, you have to have a peanut butter and Fluffernutter sandwich. It is divine heaven. Yeah, I just keep thinking about what a bitch it was to pick up. But yeah, I'll put it. I'm definitely. I'll put it on my list, man. All right. Um, this was a cookout standard beer butt chicken. Oh, yes. Everybody had their version of beer butt chicken, and which kind of beer was the best? I um, beer butt chicken is true. I I would encourage everyone out there to go and Google Matthew McConaughey. I believe it's on the Jay Leno show talking about his recipe for beer butt chicken the way he describes it it's probably the most sensual thing i've ever heard mm. anyone say it's out there oh talks, yeah just talks about it. you need to put on there and all those juices just start to flow out that chicken that beer just starts to soak in 
work, it, work its way in. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Look it up, fans. I'm telling you, it's well worth uh, listening to the, the four seconds of commercial on YouTube before you say, no, I don't want to watch anymore. And you can actually listen to Matthew McConaughey describe your butt chicken. Good call. Delicious. Or just get ad block and, and yeah. skip the, the commercials altogether. Okay, so I'm going to round it out, finish it off with uh, drink items that you would Ooh. see all the time. Mug the, or hug drinks, little hug drinks. What 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 is this? They're like little barrel shaped, brightly colored drinks. They're usually the same color as those little icy drinks they would have, and they were just little sugar water packets that sort of taste. They were sort of like super cheap Kool Aid, and they were in little little barrel shaped things with a uh, little piece of tin foil on the top, and you would pull the tin foil. You would see little kids with them would just, like, hold them in their mouth and tip their head back and be like, and and the plastic would, like, you know, collapse. When you talk about the tinfoil on the top, that's coming back to me. That's coming back to me. They they were, you could buy, you know, you would just, and you would just see, you know, crates of them in people's houses because the kids would just drink them by the handfuls and cases upon cases of generic soda, you know, the grocery store brand soda that was... You know, five five or ten for a dollar. You know, yeah, and and also two liters of generic soda. Uh, yeah, and I know what you were talking about. Instead of like Dr Pepper, it was Dr Salt or something. You know, yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I we used to sell tons of that stuff, tons of it. Yep, Mountain Wow, Mountain Mountain <laughs> something, Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah, we didn't. Talk too much about drinks in the uh, in trailer park, but yeah, there are just as much. Kool Aid, of course, was Kool Aid packet. Kool Aid from a packet was, uh, or from a giant, um, mostly from a packet though, because like the Kool Aid that was had the sugar mixed in with it. Like it, a lot of parents, like... a lot of parents would want to get the packet, and they could they could cut down the sugar a little bit, you know. That's child abuse. But yeah, I remember that. that yeah, they're, they're making it <laughs> stretch. It's still out there, man. And, and this is another weird thing is all the kids and their parents called green Kool-Aid Moo Juice. Moo Juice? Which is what usually people everywhere else in the world called milk. Milk. Right. But huh. no, no, it was green Kool-Aid and it was the most coveted. Like when the parents were like, "Oh, it's a moo juice night," the kids would be just like, "Yes, green Kool Aid, moo juice." <laughs> Drinking it like it's the nectar of the gods. It was, man. It was nectar of the gods. I'm guessing it was lime, but we, it, to us, it was just green. And I think that's why the next generation, or you know, the younger kids, that's why the ecto coolers went down so well oh, with them for the same reason. Just up. green flavor is appealing to a kid. When the horrible new Ghostbusters movie came out, they brought back Ecto. At least, yeah, at least they I have bought that. a lot of it, and because my son loves it, and they have discontinued it again. It's gone now. People are selling it on eBay for outrageous prices. I'm waiting until mm-hmm. I'm waiting until uh, the expiration code is, starts to go, you know, you know like uh, expire. Maybe I can pick up a couple. Uh, packs for cheap it's not going to kill you that stuff doesn't go bad but the, check out the prices that they're asking for some of the ecto cooler uh, it's ridiculous but i did stock up i have two cans left and they're for my kid and every once in a while uh it's like a fine scotch you know yeah. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll sit and watch something and they'll say, here, son, go ahead. You know, sit back, enjoy it. <laughs> yes, ecto cooler. Oh, make, him, make him smell the, smell yeah, the uh, it, lid on it. The... Let it breathe, damn it, let it breathe. <laughs> Swirling it around in its cup. Yeah, so, yeah, those are good, man. Those should have made the list. And and uh, what uh, I'm I'm proud to bring back. We haven't we haven't visited our friend uh, George Leonard Herder no, in, a while. in a couple months. No, we haven't. I have actually uh, found one of his recipes for something that I would consider probably a incredibly white trashy or trailer park sandwich. And uh, it's called the Shut Your Mouth Sandwich. And in order to uh, explain this, we're going to have to go back in the Wayback Machine to the year 1800. And so, I- so I hear that sandwich is a bad mother, shut your mouth. Yes. Just talking about the sandwich. <laughs> it is. Uh, 1800. An Irishman by the name of John McDougall, okay? He actually... Sure. He actually, hailed, he actually hailed from Baltimore, which is a loose connection of, uh, you'll see why, uh, why we're going to talk about Baltimore in a little while. Uh, he was, uh, he made his money, uh, selling farm produce and, uh, within six short years of starting, he became a millionaire. Okay. Or not a millionaire, but very well off. And, uh, George Herder says that he was actually seeing, uh, one of the uh, sisters at the uh, Ursuline convent, but, but he had actually gone with her before she became, before she joined the order, so that was okay, all right? Now, John, John McDougall had many slaves, and in his will, he gave them their freedom, and each one of them a ticket back to Africa. Now, <laughs> I don't know, it, doesn't sound like a, a ticket on what, like a, a, a clipper ship, or I don't even know you can buy like a ticket. But anyway, all of his slaves went back home shortly after his death. This certainly was was fair thinking of a type rarely found in this world today. Now, I'm going to give me one second. I actually have the ingredients for the shut your mouth sandwich here. I'm gonna go into the kitchen and grab it. I like the New York City sound effects. I am coming back here to the show. As you can see, typical Queen's night here. Here is the ingredients for the shut your mouth sandwich. Okay. This is this is according to George Herder the best sandwich that you're ever gonna have. In I don't in know. Our... I had the French girl. Oh yeah, the little French girl. Oh, what's your poem to tell you about? No okay, joke. first thing, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna take a long, narrow, hard crusted French roll, about six to ten, uh, six to seven inches long. Now we cut off the one end of it. Okay. And the next thing we're gonna do is you're gonna poke your longest finger down into the center of this piece of bread. Yeah. So I'm gonna do that right now. Mmm, McConaughey that sucker. Yeah, okay, let me just stop. I'm going deep. I'm going deep here. Okay, 
that's that's my long finger. It's a grower, not a shower. But okay, so I've I've now poked a hole in the French roll. Okay, now the next thing that we are going to do is we are going to take a level teaspoon of a very special salad dressing that includes one fourth oil, one fourth vinegar, onions, garlic, salt, and pepper. Okay, and we are going to generously pour this into the hole oh dear okay this is going into the hole all right speak okay now the next thing we do is we are going to take a relish that we have made of grated onions and pickles and we're gonna cram this into that hole get it nice and deep yeah real nice in there it's taken the whole thing too Okay, and now, now that we've done that, our next step is we are going to get some mustard and we're gonna squirt some mustard into that hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now we're gonna take a nicely grilled pork sausage, okay? And we are gonna cram this pork sausage right down into the hole Eat the sandwich from the open end so that the sausage and the ingredients cannot escape and keep pushing back into the roll as you eat it. So I am going to now shove this sausage in the hole. Right to that bread cervix. It's taken the whole thing. Okay, now are you ready? I'm gonna put a little bit more of this special dressing with this you know grating onions isn't easy they, they kind of just piss everybody but finally got a boss grater okay all right here we go this is the shut your mouth sandwich a better sandwich cannot be found anywhere well shut your mouth that does it beat a french girl no but the dressing and the grated and the grated um onions and this and grated pickle and the mustard all into this piece of bread and it's a nice actually it's a very small uh like a bratwurst that i grow and this you know i don't think i've had in all honesty i don't think i've had a bad recipe from her well well um it's good and a better sandwich can help his his no, history not. may be sketchy, no. and his biographies may be sketchy, but his so far his food has not has been legit every time. So because he knows, you can't yeah. check on all his those facts necessarily, but you can always make the sandwich. So you always make the sandwich. You can also, if you don't have a sandwich, you can roll up a piece of beef hamburger, uh, or just a regular wiener instead of pork sausage, or even pieces of chicken. Yep. Yeah, it says one day John McDougal Cook ran completely out of meat for his sandwiches. She cut off the ends of the rolls, as usual, and simply poured honey and syrup down the hole, and the children wolfed them down, enjoying them almost as well as if they had meat. I pray John McDougal is in heaven. He was a truly great, kind man. <laughs> and there, and there you go. Our good friend George uh, Leonard Hurd, again expert on all things, and I wish you were. Yeah, I wish I could. I could let you taste this sandwich. I think this is something that, that you would probably, probably like. I think and, I would. 
and and with that, that's uh, that's our podcast on a trailer slash white trash uh, food uh, in general. And I'm looking over at the um, green room, and and I see two people with with pencil thin mustaches. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, they look a little little creepy, but uh, a little but greasy. They're, yeah, they're just kind of staring. So I, I I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking they must be our our next guests, and uh, I just wonder who the hell they are. And I'm gonna have another bite of this sandwich, and uh, got them in here. <laughs> They are eyeballing that sandwich oh, pretty wow. hard. <laughs> the sandwich, goddammit. Alright, we'll be right back after this. Hey, Urban Living got you down? Sick of dodging chuds, muggers, and sucking exhaust? Tired of rats the size of Garfield? Want a GTFO Dodge, but the suburbs are too expensive and the sticks are too far away? Well, it sounds like you're just perfect for the bucolic splendor of Old Landfill Acres Trailer Park and Family Fun Zone. Yeah, yeah, I know, but due to a legal quirk in the contract when I bought the place, uh, I, I can't change the name. It is what it is. Moving on. Name aside, we got rolling hills, wildlife from squirrels to chipmunks, single wides, double wides, and the triple wide Emperor's Palace. There's a playground for the kids featuring swings, slides, and random patches of sand. All the stuff kids love. You say you got a pet? Yeah, well, good for you. For an extra $150 a month, you can keep whatever goddamn pet you want. We have a saying, if it ain't gonna eat nobody, you can keep it. Compare our lot fees to your current tenement prices, and then load all your 13 goddamn kids into the truck, and then chuck them into one of our brand new homes. Only a half mile from Biscuit Basket, and only mere feet from busy Interstate 69 for easy access. What other trailer park offers horseshoes, Tuesday karaoke, and a communal laundry hole? Come on down and check us out. I swear you'd never know it used to be a landfill. Look for the sign right off exit 32 on Interstate 69. Come on, what do you got to lose? Welcome to Beat It, the second half of the podcast, the back half of the podcast, a podcast about porn. My name is Eddie Massey, and I am here with Ron Chi. <laughs> I could add another word to that at the end for the classic uh, Chinese uh, name, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm above that. This is, a, this is a classy show. Yes. And who are we talking about today? Somebody classy. Oh, are one, we? Ever. One of my all-time heroes. Yes, and uh, and and one of mine as well. Uh, that I, you know, I, I read his biography, and uh, I've always been a fan. But I've went balls deep and learned as much as I could about him, and uh, it's wonderful. And uh, today we are going to be talking about. Mr. John Samuel Waters Jr. That's right, John Waters. And now I, I, I know technically that this John Waters, and he would be the first to agree that he does not do porn. I would, I would, yeah, I would say he would kind of bristle at 
at being called a poor... Well, it depends on how he... Who, like, if there was some, like, church lady who's like, he's a vile pornographer, he would be tickled pink. But if yeah. we were like, hey, we're doing... You know, we're, we're, we're putting, like, as a, like, film classification, putting him into the porn... He definitely and, yeah, vociferously did not set out to make porn at all. No, no, he he didn't. Uh, to me, John Waters is just, he's the type of guy that I would like to have over in the alley. I would like to have this guy at a barbecue because I believe that he is a wonderful weirdo, uh, uh, a wonderful, nice guy. I, I think by every single account I've ever heard of him, he's been like incredibly gracious and nice person. There's just I've never heard of no. the the only thing awful that John Waters has done have been things that John Waters has said that he's done that were awful, and he was doing them with other people for yeah. <laughs> for the movies. Yeah, and, so it and... wasn't you know. It wasn't like, you know, treating treating someone poorly or, you know, or screwing someone over. No. It was just like doing something awful. But, yeah, uh, by all accounts, he sounds like one of the friendliest, most polite people. Like, you know, you could have him over. If you had him to family dinner, he would he would delight all the grandparents. He would have all the grandparents wrapped around his fingers by the Absolutely. end of the, and the kids probably by That's the end of the I, meal. Now, John Waters, as... I had mentioned before, was born John Samuel Waters Jr., April 22nd, 1946, in Baltimore, Maryland, which is an important part of, uh, of everything that John Waters is, is Baltimore. Uh, his family was upper middle class, Roman Catholics, and he, his parents are frightening, frighteningly normal. They are normal people. They are nothing, he did not have a terrible childhood he didn't have any uh, trauma that i can see i mean he he grew up in a family that was just normal he was an odd child uh his he had a fascination with uh with car wrecks and car crashes and to his credit you know his parents they cradled his his eccentricities and they took him his mother would actually take him to junkyards as a little boy and just so he could see the uh the, the wreckage the wreckage i mean that that's he would do that uh and he was always an entertainer he would have puppet shows in his backyard at the age of seven years old and uh, he would do these strangely violent versions of Punch and Judy uh, for children's birthday parties. And and he would charge admission. And he got to be so popular that that, that people would actually look forward to these puppet shows. Like, John... a, like a Little Rascals short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the Little Rascals short. Uh, and what you saw from John Waters was someone that was, he was given a camera. Uh, a film camera, you know, a movie camera very early in life and that's all it took. His younger years, he was incredibly intense with his movies uh, but but I don't think he ever took himself as seriously He, I, I think he knew that the movies that John Waters makes 
were movies just to make people laugh. I, I think that he now they I were to entertain people. Yeah, they yeah, were to. As, yeah, you know, you are a student of cinema and movies, so I <laughs> want to ask you first off your first experience with John Waters. How did you get to uh, get 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 you know find out about him? What was your first movie you saw? And and is he or is he not important? Oh, he's completely important, and <clears throat> I mean, he's come to a point where, I mean, he's accepted in the the world of film and critique, and you know, in 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 pop culture, you know, he's been on The Simpsons, and he, he he's had a movie remade as a musical, and then went on to be a hit Broadway musical. And, you know, and it was a movie he made that was PG rated and kind of a family film, you know. Um, so he's he's come full circle from being completely, you know, shunned and looked at as garbage to people can appreciate the full context of his work. And probably a lot of it has to do with he's such a nice guy and it comes off in his work. And this is how I'm going to retcon this into the beat it part of the show is the, 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 when John Waters movies first started coming out, they were rated X movies, you know, that's yeah. and they had they they had scenes in them that you might see in a porn movie, but they weren't shot pornographically, but he made X rated movies. So that's how we're retconning it. That's how we're. That's how we're yeah, gonna write we, it off, we can, so we can do whatever the hell. But we, it's our podcast. So we yeah, can we can go the back we door, so to say. So from, from so from now on, whatever we're we're doing, John Waters. But I mean, the thing about John Waters is there's people who made who made movies to be transgressive, and his movies are super trans. Like I mean, my first inkling of John Waters was hearing a Roger Ebert, you know, griping about pink flamingos and, you know, the controversy over pink flamingos and the, the fact that it was a big hit and that the the lead was a woman played by a man and that he ate dog duty at the end of it. So it was just like, holy shit, these are, cra you know, crazy movies. And uh, um, the first movie I got to see of his was... Um, Oh, uh, what was the one with Tab Hunter in it? Oh God, well, with with Odorama. I don't know his early. If I, you're, I will tell you in a second. I have my my copy of Shock Value. His ah, okay. It was uh, was it Desperate Living? It must be Desperate Living, but um, I I had a friend in high school, Shannon Truder. And uh, she was an army brat. She and her brother, like, um, were, her brother was friends with my with Mike Cross, who who's been at your house. With, oh yeah. Um, he was he was friends with her older brother, and I was friends with her. And her father was this creepy military <laughs> guy, super anal retentive, and he had a locked room, like it was almost like a like a fake door sort of room that you would go into and he was one of the first people with a VCR and he was, you know, 
obsessed with getting as many. So he had just a, a big empty room like you would expect it these days by the kind of guy he was. He was like a kind of prepper sort of guy. Yeah. You'd expect it to be full of like arms, you know, and bazookas and guns. No, it was wall to wall VHS tapes. And he had a giant book where he'd reviewed every movie. Or if he hadn't seen it, he noted that he hadn't seen it. And he had a, a synopsis and noted where he got the synopsis from. And uh, he had uh, um, Desperate Living and Pink Flamingos. And he would let us take movies out. And he let us take Desperate Living out. And he's just like, this movie's rated X. But I don't, yeah, I, I've watched it. And I think you guys, it's okay or whatever. And, uh. I watched it and it was pretty crazy, but it was a little mainstream, a little more mainstream than I expected. It was still crazy, but I didn't know the John Waters style then. Yeah. But then we saw Pink Flamingos. Ugh. And uh, then I was just like, holy cow, this is like guerrilla filmmaking, you know? Absolutely. And then the next one I saw was Female Trouble at a midnight showing when I was in college at, at the neighboring college. And, like, that movie freaked out punk rockers. They had to leave at, at parts of that movie. And uh, that was when I fully, like, was in love with John Waters. At, at, the same, at, the, at that same time, one day I went into the school library and just sat down and read... Uh, um, shock value from cover to cover, you know, in the library. And I have to thank you because you, uh, I wanted to find out a little bit more about John Waters, and you told me just just get a hold of the copy of of Shock Value, and I did. And man, what a great a great read that was! I it's, recommend. It's an inspirational book on filmmaking, yes, <laughs> on the creative process, and and on. Doing something that you love to do that everybody hates <laughs> and sticking with it, you know. And that's and what I love about John Waters. He, he may be the flip side of, uh, of the coin, uh, in, in, in the way he makes his, the way he makes his, uh, his films. I mean, he is, he found all the mutants and the, the outcasts and the misfits. And that's, and that's one of the, I mean, He's like the the. Would you say he's like the opposite of, of Russ Myers? I mean, was what was did him and Russ Myers have a lot in common? They had obsession in common. Yeah, just I, I, different obsessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Russ Myers is very very straight, and John Waters is very very gay. Yes. So the the, the you got that you got that dynamic. And that's going. how I discovered him uh, when I first got my job. I I lived in a in a townhouse and I had believe it or not I had there were 22 of us living in there uh, most of them uh, the fellas were gay and the minute they had fresh meat like me they said you've never seen John Waters you've never seen Divine so we would rent these movies and 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 they were just hilarious I mean they were just I mean the Christmas the, the, the Christmas uh, scene from Female Trouble oh yeah for her cha-cha Heels. I mean, you can't get in. One of the things that I respect about John Waters is he has this. There, I I knew very little about this entire Baltimore. Uh, what would you call it? Baltimore is a weird place. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a very. 
poor, beat-up, rough city, and it breeds strangeness. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it look, I've only been through Baltimore on a Greyhound bus, and between the Greyhound bus station and all the neighborhoods we rode through, you would have to pick up some weird, you know, yeah. obsessions in order just not to go crazy or like become a heroin addict or something. I like that. lived about an hour away from Baltimore for a year, and I visited Baltimore, but I didn't see any of the craziness that that was there. I just saw blue crabs and ate a lot of them. But John Waters embraces that. He embraces the weirdness that is Baltimore, and. And he embraces this this troop of friends and weirdos and outcasts, uh, Mink Stahl, uh, David Lockery, Divine, uh, uh, Edith Massey. These everybody who is willing to commit a hundred and ten percent to he, every role. He was, I mean, and the fact that you know, th th these were the people that that he wanted, and he used them. He used every. He used them in all of his shows. I mean, oh, he built his movies around them. You know, I mean, like, like Divine was his muse. When he found Divine, he was just like, "This is the person I work with." You know, well, yeah. you know, he had the whole crew, but Divine was like, you know, uh, and you can't talk about John Waters without talking about Divine. I mean, Divine was born um, Harris Milstead, and. Uh, he was born in 1945, and he passed away in 1988. But he had a rough childhood, as as you, you know, you can you can tell by by looking at Divine that he definitely did not fit in. Uh, his parents never accepted him and didn't see any of his movies at all. Uh, and when he met these troop of weirdos and outcasts, I, he he found himself. And well, and uh, I think John Waters was the he was an outcast himself, probably because he was gay and had weird, a weird sense of humor and stuff. But he had a good childhood, which is something yeah, most did. of the other people did not have. The other people were like usually came from really rough, rough childhoods and stuff. And I think him being a little more emotionally together, you know, he formed the the you know the what kept that together and he gave them something to do that wasn't self-destructive but at the same time it let them be go crazy you know yeah uh it's a like a den mother or something you know john waters was often quoted as saying that if divine was still alive divine would still be in john waters movies oh sure oh, oh yeah and there was a certain I mean, divine is so great that like Divine's character has been played by John Travolta. Yeah, and as you know, as I don't think that Divine he ever, he ever lost that sadness. I've seen, I've watched interviews with Divine where you know he wasn't in drag, and you know he was with John Waters, or or sometimes even by himself on on you know Johnny Carson or or David Letterman, and and he always seemed sad. When uh, I I don't know if if he was only happy when when he was being creative, or or if there was just an inert a sadness to him. He, he I know that the drag queens in San Francisco didn't like 
divine because they they felt that that he was making fun of he of was like too career. over the t- yeah exaggerated but when divine joined the dream uh the dreamlanders which was the um you know the the troop i guess you would call it with david lockery who who's great you know i i uh, another tragic ending to his life. He he got drunk and and fell down and and cut himself on a glass and and bled to death. You know, uh, but but these these were people that that they had fun making these movies. I mean, uh, Pink Flamingos. They, they suffered too. They did oh, yeah. just like a, they to, you know they did the full artistic process, but you know. That's how you build a troop and <laughs> a family. And they were building an alternate family, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, Pink Flamingos, he had, you know, the, the, the um, I guess that the premise of Pink Flamingos, if you haven't seen it, is, is uh, Divine wants to be the filthiest, most disgusting person in the world. And uh, David, I, th- I think it's, it's, uh, is it David Lockery who's who's heard competition in, right. in, in, in Ming Stahl? Yeah, Ming Stahl sends sends her a dog turd. The marbles. Yeah, marbles and and sends her a dog turd and in this trailer that they had to to drag to a field uh, and and try and frame it up because this trailer was falling down and and it eventually it, it was just it was the middle of, of it was winter you can see that uh, there's plenty of documentaries on on the filming of, of uh, pink flamingos and you can see these these guys are cold John Waters would say yeah come on we're gonna have lunch and see their breath yeah you could see their breath and 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 you know he found Edith Massey who my friend Larry turned me on to um, I mean she was just working in a bar in in Baltimore and recruited her because Edith Massey would pretty much do anything that, that John Waters wanted her to do. And as you know, your favorite scene is Edith Massey in a, in a playing um, a mentally deranged woman in a crib getting excited over the Eggman coming. Eggies, Eggies, Eggies. And, and she would do whatever you wanted her. You could see her breath. You could see her shivering. She was so cold. Yeah. It it was it was hilarious. I mean, it's a it's a over the top, funny movie, and it has the ending, of course, where Divine actually picks up and eats a dog turd. And you know, I would love to hear John Waters talk someday because you know he'll talk about the whole story. And you know, they were all getting high after he they... tours around a lot. So if you keep your eyes peeled, you'll you'll get to see him. Well, he he does a lot of speaking tours, and they're great. Oh, I would love to see him. Uh, you know, Divine. After they had filmed that, Divine, they were all high, and someone had convinced Divine that because she ate the dog turd, that she was a good chance she was going to get rabies. So she wound up calling the hospital and saying, "A friend of mine ate a dog turd, and uh, you know, is is going to get rabies." And 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 you know, they cutting up and just just a, a, a funny 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 film that was that was filmed on a on a on, you know on it was it was the first film that he had any money to actually put behind uh, to make uh, we I watched um, 
I uh, watched the other movie. There was one we were talking about uh, with the music soundtrack. Oh, uh, yeah, before he had sync sound at all. Yeah, and that was, uh, was it, um, God, why can't I think of that movie? But, but it was, um, there was no, there was no audio in it with, with the exception of just a few, a few, um, parts where Divine was praising the Virgin Mary. But what he did was the entire audio was sound clips from, from his record collection. So it was totally experimental in the fact that that uh, it was just records and and bits of records, and that was your soundtrack. And you know, I don't think you you'll never be able to see it because of copyright. Um, you you can get it. You, you can find it. Um, you can find it online. Why can't I think of Mondo the Trasho? Mondo, thank you, Mondo Trasho. Uh, we watched it in. Uh, we were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, arguably one of the most beautiful places in the country. And my friend Larry and I, instead of going out and seeing the sights, we were just getting drunk and watching Mondo Trasho. It's not an easy film to watch, um, but it I, has its moments. <laughs> it has it has its moments. I, I do like the uh, the the Virgin Mary moments. And Reading shock value. Yeah, before you see a lot of his earlier movies, makes him more fun because you yeah, know the story exactly. behind him. So you're watching like, then you're watching history and like folklore when you watch it, you know. So it has a whole new layer. Yeah, if if, if anyone out there wants to have a John Waters uh, binge, I do recommend Shock Value. You can pick it up secondhand uh, through Amazon, which you can go to the Two True Freak site order it and uh you can probably get it for three or four bucks polyester but, is a movie i was thinking of at the beginning that i saw that I, was the first one i i saw of his and that was after pink flamingos that was he had more he had enough money to hire tab hunter for that movie yeah polyester and um later on you told me that you know that lust in the dust wasn't even a john walker's movie but nope. it did divine in it and and it wasn't any good. It had Edith Massey in it as well. But it had I, its moments, mostly I guess involving Divine. I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah, involved. I've seen clips of it, and they the, they've been good, but they've all had like the Divine singing and stuff. So yeah, and uh, you know, John Waters has has you know he's brand like you said he does everything. He's a guy that likes to be he, you know. He uh, he's been on The Simpsons, like like you were saying. He's written quite a few books. He's written quite a few books. Um, his last movie that I went and saw was uh, Pecker, uh, which is a love letter to Baltimore, basically. And all of his, a lot of his, a lot of his films are. He's not he's not embarrassed to embrace Baltimore, but Pecker's I, really an embrace of the seedy side of it, though. That's. Yeah. Pecker is where the term teabagging really made it into the public, le you know, into no, the mass lexicon. No teabagging! No teabagging! His his last movie, I think, was The Dirty Rotten Shame that had Johnny Knoxville in it, had Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman picks up a bottle with her vagina in it. It was about a people at a mental home who were all sex addicts. He was going to make a Christmas movie with Johnny Knoxville called Fruitcake, but it never, it never happened. Uh, 
And it's a shame. I think that. Do you think that 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 a John Waters came around too early? That if John Waters had been born later, that he would be something else? I mean, no, would, no, I don't know. Born twenty years later. I don't know because twenty years later he wouldn't have had the trail. Well, I don't know. He. It, it depended on. It depends on whether somebody blazed that trail ahead of him. If someone hadn't blazed the trail that, the of <laughs> someone eating dog poop and such, before that he would probably have to do it twenty years later. You know, I mean that was that's the thing is he sort of he sort of went there and then like did this mir miraculous like pivot to into the mainstream. You know after that. You know, with like Serial Mom and yeah. um, oh, what 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 was the one with uh, the 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 musical that got turned into a musical? Was that Hairspray? Hairspray. Yeah. Hairspray was humongous, you know, and it was rated PG, and it was it was it was all the nice elements of John Waters yeah. movies without any of the RRX rated elements. I would love to hear him talk about how he had the tone, um, you know, hairspray down. It probably fun. wasn't very hard for him, no, you know, no. because he's he is sort of a pleasant guy and was just like, I just want to do a nice and, you know, and and his taste in movies isn't always depraved either. He likes like some like fluffy stuff. He likes really pretentious art movies, too. But oh, yeah. but, um, you know. I, I I don't I, I I don't know if he did the the hairspray to prove that he could do that or just because he wanted to do to do that. But you know, one it didn't stall his career into PG because he was still doing stuff like Serial Mom and Pecker and uh, um, uh, what was uh, the the filmmaker one Johnny uh, the something. You know, he still had some nice gross stuff happening. In, and I have, I have, I'm saving Dirty Rotten Shame for a special occasion to watch that because I haven't seen it yet, and uh, it's probably going to be his last movie. He doesn't sound like he really wants to do movies anymore. No, no, but he's. I'm going to go ahead and say, John, he's a Renaissance man. This guy has a has a book collection that's incredible. He also has an incredible, incredible music and record collection if you can if you can I'll get bet. out there try <laughs> and find uh it's an album called a date with john waters and it is an incredible collection of he just picked out some of his yeah, gems yeah. some of his gems an incredible fun fun collection of records that you can listen to and he's just He's me. I mean, I think that that us. I think he's us. I think that everything that that he likes, we would like. And what you see is what you get. People, it pisses me off when someone says, "Oh," and he's not afraid to make fun of himself. I mean, he'll say, "Well," people say, oh, "He looks like some kind of child molester." He'll just say, "I look like a child molester." But you know, he because he wears a tie, a little tie of work. But that's he's always done that. He's that, that mustache. Yeah, he's, <laughs> had, he's always had that. It's not. He is, he, he's not putting on a show. That, what, what you see with John Waters is what he is. And 
and it's great that he's able, you know, he was able to live his life. He's still alive, of course, but he's able to to, to go on just being who he is, you know. And I'm sure he is. In well, that's that's, speaking. that's the thing is, like, you can get away with being almost whatever you want as long as you like be your, even if it goes against all the like. I mean, he, he, and there's always been like Liberace and stuff like people, people in the public eye who are like just flamingly gay, you know, there's no getting around. They're not going to come out and say, oh, blah, 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 I'm, I'm gay in the like 60s, 70s or 80s and stuff. So the kids don't really pick out, or what was that guy, Paul Lind? Yeah, you know, and guy, guys like that, that. And, you know, and they would have them on game shows and stuff because they would have that flavor or yeah. you know or whatever or whatever but wouldn't talk about it or something and nobody you know people didn't talk I've never heard anybody talk shit about John Waters like it, like in the 80s and stuff yeah or you know when when people would be like oh that guy's gay or whatever never heard anybody say anything about yeah. John Waters because he's just so likable that whenever they saw him they're just like you know, oh, that's a guy that does the crazy movies, but he seems really cool, you know? And yeah. it's just because he's comfortable in his own skin, and people just seem to, will, like, accept you if you if you are confident and comfortable as yourself and, and not apologetic about yeah. it. No, and, and there's there was never any need to be apologetic about it. I mean, you, you were, you brought up an interesting point. Uh, with people like Paul Lin and Liberace and you know those people you know back in the day I, I never thought it just never crossed my mind that this guy I mean flamboyant because well, yeah because it, it didn't matter because it was, you're a kid but, and you didn't know you were just like he's Liberace he's a weirdo who plays piano and stuff but at the same time, your parents could all use him as a shorthand for like, oh, Liberace, it's funny you didn't marry her. You know, they could call their friend at the office Liberace or something, and they'd all know what they were talking about, you know? Yeah. But at the same point, nobody really hated Liberace, you know, hated on Liberace because he Ooh. was just so goddamn pleasant and, and talented, you know? And the guy that read Twas the Night Before Christmas on my Christmas album. I mean, nobody could read "Twas the Night Before Christmas" like Liberace could, you know. And and Paul Lynn was the center square for for years. <laughs> and 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 uh, John Waters was John Waters. And and it's sad. I wish that that. See, I, I always never thought of Paul Lynn, like I would like as a kid. I didn't know what gay was. I just thought Paul Lynn was the guy that talked like a like a cartoon character, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah with yeah. a cartoon voice. But you know, I, I wish that could John Waters make another movie, and you and you think it would matter. I mean, let's say you're a film student, and you're going and you're learning. What would you learn? What would you take away from learning about John Waters as a film student? I mean, what? I mean, you could, you know, you can. On what? You know, I mean, you could learn. You there's so you much to learn on every like from just. Um, when I went to see Female Trouble at, at RIT, it was very... I'd, I'd already filmed a few movies, and at that point we were filming on Super 8, and we were filming on this stuff called uh, VNF, Video News Film. And what it was was 16mm film that had been cut in half, and it was a reversal film, which means 
you d it didn't make a negative it made a positive image and so you didn't make a negative and then cut a print off the negative you just ran this through the chemical that you know they ran it through the chemicals and it was good to go and it was for the days before they you know when they would film stuff for the news and they'd have to have it the same day so you would have so the film that you shot was the film that you would put in the projector and it had this very pastel washed out not washed out but um actually kind of kind of dense pastel in in the colors like reds and blues and greens would be really dense but like sky blues and whites would start to fade out and it was all balanced to be transferred to video to go onto TV so it looked good on TV so you could make out what stuff was but I loved the way it looked it looked like an old you know it had a sort of grindhouse look and it just brightened up the colors and made them a little more you know um, exaggerated and I loved using it and then when I went to see Female Trouble it had this exact same color palette except it wasn't a it wasn't a, you know an artifact of the film he was using it was the colors that John Waters picked out to color everything and I just I was just like oh my god this guy like designed this movie the way <laughs> I like movies to look it looks it's it looks somewhere in between a, a a real movie and something somebody made you know a home movie it's it lives in this weird land somewhere between and there's a and there's so much talent involved in it that it you know it so it's this bizarre experience so like just visually and the way he edits and cuts there's a lot to be learned and i mean you, in the context of our culture and morals and <laughs> obscenity laws, there's stuff to be learned about, you know, about his... I mean, he was way ahead of his time of... I don't even know how to describe the attitude, but, like, the rainbow attitude of, like, acceptance of everything, just, like, good-natured acceptance of everything as it as everyone as they are and like try to bring out the best in everybody and accept them from who they are and is and celebrate it it's very it's very Roddenberry in some ways let's but take, take Mondo Trasho uh he he would just you know film down the streets of Baltimore divine walking around and you could get these incredible shots of people just watching this divine walking and it's pure like gonzo it's, movie making it's in P pink flamingos too and people just he's in a car they they just drop her off in the street and then in the rowdy part of town with the like yes. porno cinemas and stuff and you would see people cigarettes dropping out of people's mouths and people just as she she would just strut down the street and yeah. and everybody behind her would be stopping and goggling and it was real <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in Mondo Trasho where Divine is in a thrift store in Baltimore. And it is a thrift store that would be like a place you and I would love because it's a real thrift store and there's just mounds of shit. Was, I wonder if it was the one Edith Massey 
it, she later opened a thrift store, I think yeah. after, after the move, but this was just a thrift store and, and people are in there shopping and here comes divine looking at dresses and these little old ladies with these cat eye glasses from 1960. Uh-huh. And their church hats. At, they're looking at her and, and it's fabulous. I love those scenes where divine is walking through the streets and and people she's getting on the bus or whatever and people are looking at her and going wow and that's i think that john waters had to make movies i think that if he had been born 300 years ago he probably would have had to have painted or i think that he has so Did much play, he probably would have done gory plays for yeah i mean there was nothing he could I mean from the time he was a kid when 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 he got his first camera he was you know making movies he uh, I don't know if I think Russ Myers maybe made movies because he liked big boobs and wanted to make some money. You he know, wanted, yeah, he wanted to make money and he wanted That's stuff right. that he could beat off to. <laughs> yeah, I think John Waters just had to make movies. He had to. I mean, I mean, uh, Pink Flamingos was made on a budget of ten thousand dollars. Okay, uh, that was a lot of that. that that was handed. I mean, it must have been tough for him to 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 get that money to do that. But if you're right. the only way you're going to see the earliest movies of John Waters is some very early ones. They're not out on on the on the uh, digital interwebs. You're not going to find them. You'd have to be lucky, I guess, to to have some type of uh, maybe a film festival. You can see some of his early works uh, that he probably did. You know, some of these are in camera edits that were done he had to make movies he yeah, had he used to make edits with scotch tape and yeah. uh, rusty pair of scissors i mean he had to do it there this this was his passion and and he doesn't take himself seriously he he just he makes movies that he just wants to make people laugh he wants to to make you know just just to have a good time and I, I I think he's great, man. I wish I wish that that uh, he could give me one last big hurrah. I mean, as much as I, I enjoyed Pecker, but it wasn't it wasn't you know terrific, terrific. It was a good movie, but I would just love to have him. Have you seen Cecil be demented yet? I have it. I have not it's watched. Pretty it. good. Uh, uh, maybe going... maybe we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll watch Dirty Rotten Shame for something. Yeah. Since I haven't seen that yet. I've heard that's pretty good. It can't be bad. It's got to have something. But yeah, I mean, do, do you do you think that John Waters was a guy that just he has to make movies? I think that that there's Yeah, it's that's what happens with artists. They got to do something. They got to make art. It's like beavers, man. If beavers <laughs> don't chew their their teeth grow up into their brain and kill them. Except artists just go insane or get or you know or just get incredibly depressed. <laughs> I, I don't think that you would have a Pee Wee's Playhouse if you didn't have a John Waters. I, I, I don't I, I think that he is Oh he definitely paved the way for Pee Wee for I sure. I think he is that influential. He's so influential that people don't know about it, you know? I mean Right down to uh, Baskets, the TV show with Louis Anderson on it, where where he plays, uh, he basically does <clears throat> does the whole show in drag, and does a wonderful job of it. You, I don't know if you could do that if there wasn't a divine. Uh, 
it, it's it's just most uh, of Adult Swim. <laughs> yes, yes, most of Adult Swim. I mean, here's a guy that is so influential, but not a lot of people know how influential he is. You're watching The Simpsons and you see John Waters' character. How many people out there know that that's other at that than, at that point at that point they sort of did because what well, he they did because hair that was like just post hairspray and that's when he became such a pop star you know when hairspray hit and like you know he'd done the talk show circuit and stuff like that before and he'd had a a degree of underground midnight movie fame before and film critics talking about him either or decrying him or whatever but this was like boom big movie money boom like big hit like people were just going to see it that would never have even cared heard about or wanted to see pink flamingos and just saw it as you know as as a period piece and yeah. and it was and it like since it was like so kind of like bright and exaggerated it translated right into a musical and like a stage play and stuff so he spoke to people on a he spoke to a mass audience without really without really losing any of his core, you know, elements in a, his movies. And, and, and Hairspray has its bizarre stuff and it has like its CD characters, but they're played more, you, you know, in a in a brighter sort of sort of way. But, you know, at that point he and, and he started, you know, he was on all the talk shows and stuff and the movie was a hit and then that's when his personality would win over people so that i mean that's what the whole simpson i think the simpsons episode was sort of playing on that just like yeah like oh he's this we- like weirdo and then the when the simpsons family meet him everybody you know just like loves him except homer who's freaked out cuz he's gay so it became and that that was one of the greatest and that was you know that episode which was just about how people react to someone who's gay you know and that homophobic you know and all the you know distended things that homer does to like make yeah. sure that bart doesn't turn gay and stuff like that that was like that episode was probably paved <laughs> a lot of the ideas in that episode were paved by john waters so it's fitting yeah. that he was that he was in it and that's what and they managed to make it you know a what could have been a really touchy subject like just hilarious you know and over the top funny and good natured because well, john that, waters is involved he's yeah and i think to uh to wrap it up uh i'm gonna read just a quick paragraph from from shock value it john waters own words and i think that that this pretty much sums up his philosophy And it says, to me, bad taste is what entertainment is all about. If someone vomits watching one of my films, it's like getting a standing ovation. (laughs) But one must remember that there is such a thing as good, bad taste and bad, bad taste. It is easy to discuss someone. I could make a 90-minute film of people getting their limbs hacked off, but this would only be bad, bad taste and not very stylish or original. To understand bad taste, one must have very good taste. Good taste can be uh, creatively nauseating, 
but must at the same time appeal to the especially twisted sense of humor, which is anything but universal. And and uh, and to me that that that's John Waters. You know, he wants to make you laugh. I mean, you know, I try to force them to laugh at their own ability to still be shocked by something. You know, is what is what he says. And my work has no social redeeming value. And I th- I like to think I make American comedies. And there it is. He he admits that there's no deeper meaning to his movies. That he likes to do. Well, he wants to make people laugh. I think I, he's being self-effacing too, because there is deeper meaning to his movie. It might be something that's an overlay on them in some ways, but there are themes in it. There are themes in his movies that you know when you take the theme of transgression and characters who are you know way beyond the fringe, and then overlay that with you know very sort of um, like Little House on the Prairie you know very just like family values but not like religious family values or any kind of traditional just the value the basic structure of a family and the acceptance of of family take the then you add that to poop eating yeah take the structure of a family put it in a cocktail shaker shake it up and you're going to have the Christmas scene from Female Trouble, you know, and and that's John Waters. It's it's all there. He just mixes it up, like you said, you know. Yeah, one of and, my favorites. Everybody should go out and watch all his movies and report back to our Facebook page. Please do. Tell us what you thought. And uh, and sorry, uh, it's not porn. This it's time. not porn. But, it, but and if you're if you're masturbating to it, then there's. Something wrong with you. I hope you're not masturbating to divine. But hey, if that's your thing, I mean, we encourage it. I encourage it, man. Meek Stahl, go ahead and 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 switch over to her. I'm just saying, just like Russ Myers, I just I just don't think. Well, Russ Myers did want people to beat off to his movies, but but neither Russ Myers nor John Waters wanted to be called a pornographer for sure. So well, I'm 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 glad we we covered John Waters, and I'm glad we could touch on Divine a little bit too because it he's definitely one of my favorites and i and uh next month uh we'll get i'm guarantee we'll get down and dirty all right (laughs) because we we, we're gonna surprise you dine and dirty die that's it oh my god that would be a great name for another podcast wouldn't it (laughs) that'll be the ripoff podcast when somebody from some other network does their food and porn podcast in korea right now somebody is making a podcast called dina and dirty (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there you go john waters another class act so uh raise your glass to uh to john waters and uh hope your we filthy have- filthy glass yes yeah, a filthy filthy glass and uh chop the head off of a chicken or something and i and i hope that uh, i hope we have him around for uh for many many years to come and uh to that other podcast our lawyers will be in touch absolutely <laughs> What was it? Dine and uh, my my bottle of whiskey. It was um, dine and dirty. Dine and dirty. Dine and dirty. Your days are numbered. <laughs> We're out to get ya. You broke my heart and you made me cry. You hurt me when you were around. 
But now I'm back to let you know You'll never keep this big girl down If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. That's just an alibi. Test, test, say duh. Yeah. Good luck.